Thank you for choosing to be here to worship God this morning. To our visitors, we are especially thankful that you have chosen to be with us at Dalreda. We look forward to meeting you and getting to know you after services, so please stick around and, and let us do that. Also to our visitors, this morning's message will be a bit different as the elders of Dalreda will deliver it. This is our annual address to the congregation in which we will talk about some of the works that we've accomplished together in 2015. And also to encourage and exhort all of us as we move forward in 2016. I say it every year and I'll continue to say it because I mean it. To be a part of God's family here at Dalreda is extraordinary. We love you. We care about what is going on in your life. We hurt when you hurt. And we rejoice when you rejoice. But above all else, we care about your soul. And we want you to go to heaven. It is our honor and our privilege to serve this congregation as those that oversee and care for your souls. You have placed your confidence and trust in us to lead to lead this congregation in the way that God would have us to go. Serving as elders of this congregation is a tremendous responsibility. It's a blessing, and we are humbled as we are able to serve you and God in this capacity. We are by no means perfect men. We make mistakes, and some of our decisions will not always be appreciated by everyone. But please know this, that each decision that we make is only made after much consideration, thoughtfulness, study, and prayer. It is our greatest desire to lead this church on a path toward heaven. This is why we earnestly seek your prayers. Above all else, please pray for God's blessings on this congregation as we move forward into a new year. I am resolved. Thank you, Will, for leading that song. I sat and listened to that song for, I don't know, maybe 10 times or so yesterday just to get my mind focused on the thoughts that I had prepared. I am resolved. Those can be intimidating words, can't they? Here's something that one of our members posted on Facebook recently that I thought was funny and interesting. She will remain nameless, but she is a well-spoken lady, very athletic, has been an English teacher at ACA for many years, and her husband knows a thing or two about softball and may have a field named after him. The post went something like this. Cleaning calendar. Daily, every morning, make beds and declutter bedrooms and bathrooms. Every evening, declutter living areas, Quick sweep or mop the kitchen, wipe down kitchen counters and tables, do the dishes, take out the trash. Weekly, on Monday, we're going to vacuum and mop the floors. Tuesday, we're going to do a monthly chore. There's those two. Uh, Wednesday, we're going to dust. Thursday, we're going to do the bathrooms. Friday, we're going to do the laundry. And Saturday, we're going to catch up with all those things that we missed. I don't know how we missed anything. 
There were also monthly chores and yearly chores throughout this plan, like wiping down the baseboards, the ceiling flans, cleaning out the refrigerator, move the appliances and clean behind them. So this person who will still remain nameless put on her post, I don't see it happening, but I got to have a resolution to break. (laughs) We all make resolutions from time to time. Some are playful and fun. Some are based upon healthy living goals. Some are based upon career goals. And still others are based in the spiritual arena. I want to to spend some time in the spiritual arena of resolutions this morning with you. Allow me to start on a bit of a personal note. I am resolved... I resolve to start each day with a prayer of thanksgiving to God for allowing me one more day to serve Him. I resolve to spend more time in God's Word every day. I pray that God's Word will penetrate my heart and soul so that I can be better equipped to serve Him. I resolve to be an everyday evangelist. Jesus died, was buried, and rose again for you and me. The world needs to know this message. The world needs the hope that only comes from the saving grace of Jesus. I resolve to make talking about Jesus and what he has done for me my new comfort zone. I resolve to see the best in people and treat them with kindness and compassion and respect. I resolve to lead my family better in the future than I have in the past. Now for our church family. We as the elders of this congregation, we recognize that we have not led to the best of our ability in all things. Sometimes it is difficult to have the energy and the passion and the drive it takes to lead in the best way possible. We have allowed complacency and the status quo to creep into our congregation. For this, we are sorry, and we ask for your forgiveness today. We covet your prayers as we take steps to lead better than we ever have before. We know the great potential that Dowrita possesses. We can cite many wonderful works that, are, that we are doing as a congregation here. So many acts of kindness can be displayed to those less fortunate, to the orphan and to those in prison. Acts of kindness shown to our widows and widowers. Acts of kindness and love shown to our sick and shut-ins. Being there for one another who have lost loved ones. We care for each other and for the most part, We are in tune with each other's needs. But you know, we've still had members to fall away. We've still had people leave the church at Dalreda to not worship anywhere. Do you know who those people are? Do you care that people have fallen away? We care for each other's needs. All these things that we do are good and right. And we should continue to do them. 
We do a good job taking care of each other. But there is more that God desires from us. God doesn't just want us to take care of each other. We need to do that. God wants us to seek and save the lost. To present him to a lost and dying world. And I submit to you that we need to be more urgent about this task that God has charged us with. The bottom line is God wants our hearts. God wants our hearts to be turned completely to him. Jesus said in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven through 40, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law of the prophets hang on these two commandments. Let me suggest several resolutions which we can all make that will help us follow these two greatest commandments. Will you resolve to attend Bible class and worship assembly to attend every Bible class and worship assembly possible this year? Not only will you attend, but you, will you also commit to be an active participant? Will you resolve to have a family devotional each day with your family? If you miss a day, don't get discouraged. Just keep working at it. Make it a habit. Will you resolve to find a ministry that you wish to be a part of and put your heart and soul into it? Will you resolve to be less politically on fire in the workplace and more spiritually on fire? Will you resolve to spend more time talking about spiritual things than you do your favorite sports team? Will you resolve to spend less time on social media and on your smartphones and more time talking face-to-face with friends and family? When you do use social media, will you resolve to use it in a way that builds others up and never tears others down? Will you resolve to talk to your friends about their soul? Do you have a family member that's outside of Christ? Will you resolve to talk to them about their soul? To be resolved to do something requires me to think about my actions. To be resolved requires me to count the cost. To be resolved requires me to make a commitment. To be resolved requires me to change my habits. To be resolved requires me to act. It requires me to do. To be resolved requires me to pick up the pieces and get going again if I stumble. Will you resolve today to give your heart completely to God? I'd like to ask you some questions today, some questions I've been asking myself recently. And in the last year, a lot of things have happened that I thought I'd never see in my lifetime. Half a century ago, 
I can remember my parents telling me things that if the church didn't wake up, our country didn't wake up, would, would start to happen. And sure enough, some of those things are happening now, even though I didn't believe them years ago. Here's just a few things that uh, things I'm talking about that have happened in just the last year in our country. Legalization of same-sex marriage. Unthinkable only just a few years ago. People being fined or jailed for practicing their beliefs for God-ordained marriage. A man winning woman of the year. Unborn children being aborted and their body parts being sold under the guise of women's health. A false religion being promoted as a peaceful religion, even though their ultimate goal is the destruction of all Christianity, and they're willing to do it by terrorizing anyone that would dare disagree. Violence during protest has been encouraged. Our law officers have been vilified as the bad guys. Marijuana has been legalized in one state and probably will be in others. Our military has been weakened by the desire to be politically correct. These are just some of the things that I thought I would never see in my lifetime, but have happened in just this last year. These are definitely troubling times for those of us of the Christian faith. It's obvious to me that the world is looking for peace, love, joy, and happiness in all the wrong places. The older I get, the more I am assured the answer to the world's problems are found in the pages of the Bible and in the life of Jesus Christ. And only there can we find a real peace that passes all understanding. The bad news is that we do live in an increasingly immoral and dangerous world. The good news is that we, through the grace of God, have been taught by someone who cared for us about the God of the Bible and we reap the incredible blessings of the Christian life and the hope of eternal life. There are many verses that I heard all throughout my childhood that ring louder today than any other time in my life. Verses like, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Ye are the light of the world. Let your lights shine before men. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. We have been blessed to come to know the gospel and know that it is the only answer for the problems of our world. What are we going to do with this answer? What are we going to do with this cure? These are the questions I've been asking myself. First, what are we as a church at Delrada? What are we going to do about it? The fact that we have in our possession what the world and our country need so desperately. And more specifically, what are you going to do about it? Not the person on either side of you or in front of you or behind you. Not your mother, your father, your brother, your sister, husband or wife. But what will you do about it? Will it be the same old thing, status quo, or maybe do nothing? I hope you'll ponder on these questions as we begin the new year. There's never been a time in my lifetime that our world is in as desperate need for the gospel as it is right now. We need to share it across the world, across this country, and across the street. The words, words of that old song are true. There is much to do. There's work on every hand. Heart, the cry for help comes ringing through the land. Let's get to work. There's so much more we can do.
first off, let me say thank you for allowing me to be part of this eldership for 17 years. It is truly a blessing to work in a congregation where we have peace and harmony and an eldership that is united and has your best interest at heart. As Dean said, sometimes we may not make the best decision or the most popular decision, but it is the decision that has been made with the talents and abilities that we have before you. We are truly blessed to have a multitude of talent in this congregation. We are truly blessed to have the resources that we have in this congregation. There are not many in the brotherhood that can say that they are debt free. There are not many in the brotherhood that when a crisis comes up are able to send thousands of dollars in relief effort like we did the other day to Elba and a month or so ago to the Carolinas because of all the flooding. We are truly blessed. But sometimes we look back and we say, is it enough? We have plenty of programs that we look at and we can be proud of. And I'm proud to say that we have some outstanding folks that work with these programs. And we have some outstanding participants in that. Money drives everything in today's society, including the church. As you can see, our budget is $20,100. Sad to say we did not make that budget most of the time last year. So this eldership has decided to leave it at that amount for the coming year, $20,100. But the last few weeks we have exceeded that, and we appreciate all of those that have contributed. If we exceed our budget, that will allow us to do more. I'm proud to say that our budget is based on a third of it going towards missions. Not many congregations can boast about that, but we are going to boast in that number. A third of our congregation budget, which is well over a million dollars now, goes towards missions. We have a lot of activities that we need to fund over the next few years. The eldership has decided the fifth Sundays, we will have four of them this coming year, will be set aside for special projects and our building fund. We are encouraging each and every one of you to double your contributions on those days to help us to be able to prepare for the unexpected. We have budgeted for what we think might come up, paying the utilities and other things of those natures. But it's the unexpected things that we would love to be able to continue to fund. We have hundreds of requests on a weekly basis for needs that are out there. We would love to be able to help with those. So the question we have before us is, are we ready? How many times in your life have you been asked that question? Are you ready? Are you ready to go yet? You know, in this hectic world, sometimes we start running late, don't we? We've got some place to be at a certain time, and out of the back of the room you hear, Are you ready? Hurry up! Being ready means that we are making preparation to go somewhere. We've got a plan. We've got an idea. We've had to set the alarm that morning for 7 o'clock or earlier. We've had to get up and take our shower and get ready and get dressed and get out the door. 
with a place to go. And that's our mission in this congregation. We have a place to go, and it's heaven. And we want to take as many folks as we can with us. So this year, I'm challenging us to be ready. Are we ready to share the gospel with those that we have opportunity to share? Are we ready to care for those folks that we may come in contact with that has a personal need, that has a need that both spiritual and physical? And are we prepared ourselves to meet the challenges? Any military officer or good coach will tell you that the day of the game or the day of the battle is not when you win it. It's the day before, the preparation, and the thought and process with that. Galatians tells us to not grow weary in doing good, but with every opportunity, try to do. And that's the challenge that we have before you today. Are you ready? Thank you. I think it's in order to acknowledge many people. It's already been said, the eldership. If you don't know these gentlemen, some of you don't. It's Bill Johnson and Steve Phillips and Dean Sanders and I, Bob McKee. But we have another elder over here, Jim Russell, who is not making a presentation today. But let's remember him. Jim Russell comes from a great family, and he is a peace-loving man with a good head, believe me. And I'd like at the same time to acknowledge our many deacons. I'm not not going to take the time to uh, ask you to stand up. Maybe it wouldn't take any time. But we have 30-some deacons, and we are proud of you all. And I know I've said this before, that awesome is used too many times, but our deacons are truly awesome individuals. And then, of course, we have Doug Smith, who we don't have to worry about when he's in the pulpit if he's going to be teaching the truth or not. He is also a peacemaker from a line of peacemakers, and we are thankful for him and for his family and his work here. Billy Camp, the best uh, college minister in captivity anywhere, maybe one of the best ministers in captivity anywhere. And, of course, Will Tucker, who does a fantastic job with young people. Andrew Gifford, who wears a bow tie and sings songs very fast, but uh, (laughs) a great guy. Does a wonderful job, and I don't know if uh, if uh, Kelly is here today. Not Kelly's first name is Jared. If Jared's here today or not, but he also does a good job. But mainly, it's you. You know, in the pews here, it's already been said. We appreciate very much your cooperation, your support in every way. Terry Edwards, well, he doesn't know everything, but he knows everything worth knowing. And we're proud to have him on our staff. And then, of course, Patsy does a great job. And what's that guy's name? Freddie's always got something done before anybody needs it anyway. And even Richard, for crying out loud. And I'm thinking about all this thing, these things, and I'm thinking, you know what? We are doing so many things to make ourselves comfortable. And it's well and good. The pews. And I went by the resource room the other day. And, you know, uh, would the public school teachers kill for that kind of a resource room, Steve? Isn't that great? We have a PowerPoint, and you name it, we've got it. And if we don't have it, we'll get it. And I'm all for that. But you know what? Put the world up there. Put the world slide. This has been alluded to as well. There's a big world out there. A world 
There's Jared. I see him over here. The world that does not know the truth. And so it's right and it's good for us to have a great portion of our budget toward missions. And I hope we can do more than a matter of fact. Let me compliment the missions committee and the hard work that they have done through the years. And also on the first Sunday in May, we'll have Mission Emphasis Sunday. So be prepared for that and we'll talk more about it. Now I want to read for just a moment from the scriptures, Mark chapter 12, beginning at verse 28. Dean already quoted this from another passage, but I want you to listen to this one. One of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another and saying that he, that is Jesus, answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is likened to that. So Mark's account of what Jesus said here is including all your strength that the other did not have. Matter of fact, if we look to this original scripture from Deuteronomy, you find that it's not there. But we know that's what it meant because Jesus said it did. Now, this is this is really an intimidating scripture when you think of it. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. Just to say it sort of dazzles us, and we wonder. Can it be done? Can, can you do this? Do you think you do this? Do I think I do this? Do you think you've ever known anybody that really did that? That could love God like that? Well, it seems like it's beyond us that we really can't do it. But it's a commandment. You know, we as parents expect our children, we want them to love us, right? But we don't command them to love us. Now, John says that we love God because he loved us. And we hear a lot of sermons about God's love, rightfully so. God loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son. So we teach and we preach. But how many times do we think about, wait a minute, am I really thinking about loving God the way I should? Why is this in the Bible? Why is this commanded? It's not a natural thing. Paul says, that the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God because they're foolishness unto him and he cannot know them because they're spiritually judged. So this is not a natural thing. Oh yes, naturally have religion. All men in every place have religion and believe in a God, generally a God. But this is a commandment that we do. So it's not outside the realm of possibility. However, probably no one can do it perfectly. It is an ideal, but it is to be strived for, and that is very important. I think the main thing is that we cannot be casual about our relationship with God. Remember that Jesus said, Strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter in and not be able. Now, isn't that interesting? He said many people will seek to enter the kingdom but will not be able. Now that seems a contradiction, doesn't it? 
But to me, it says you can't be casual. If you just say, well, I'd kind of like to enter. I'm thinking about it. I think I love God and I think I want to obey. And that's the world, the religious world for the most part that we think of Christendom. That's what it is. But Jesus said, strive to enter in. Strain every nerve to enter in. So, how about our relationship with God? Does anyone really understand this? Probably not. Can we do it perfectly? Probably not. But we don't need to dismiss it summarily. We need to think very deeply about this commandment because it is a commandment. And what would be the result if we can do this better than we have in the past? Well, here's one thing. We would have greater spirituality. We would have a greater love for God, for his church, for his people, and for all men. We would keep his commandments. We would be abounding always in the work of the Lord. We would think about missions. We would be liberal in our giving. In fact, if we concentrated on this first and great commandment, the petty things of life kind of fade into insignificance. They're not very important. So we ask ourselves today, okay, I lost money in the stock market. Maybe I had reverses at work. Maybe other circumstances that trouble me. What does it really matter? Because if you think about it, this is the only commandment in one respect. Sure, there are others and God expects us to obey those. But all those others fall into line if we concentrate on this first and great commandment. So one of the things that we can do this year is to give sober, serious thought to the first and great commandment. All other things in our life will be well. But if we show our love for God and if we do love him as we should, obviously we obey his commandments because John tells us we show our love to God in that way. And if we do not obey his commandments, then we don't have the love of God. If you are in this audience today and you have not obeyed the gospel, then obviously you have not demonstrated your love for God. Today you have that opportunity. If you have wandered away from the right path of the Lord, after once having pledged allegiance, so to speak, to him, after having been baptized, if you've wandered back into the ways of sin and you need to repent of that, There's no better time than this morning to do it. I'm very excited about this year. I have a feeling about it. Maybe it means nothing to anyone but me, but I believe it'll be a good year for this church. I believe it'll be a good year in many respects. And I know it will be a better year if we think about loving God with all of our heart, soul, our mind, and strength. Think about it. If you're subject to the gospel invitation in any respect, please come now as we stand and sing this song.
You've been to Jesus for the cleansing.